Welcome back, y'all, to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. The intention of this podcast is to master the short-form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. You know, when I was a child, growing up in rural Arkansas, my mother always insisted we had a you know, group of foreign exchange students come into our home while on the farm and teach us about other cultures. One year when I was in third grade, we actually got a foreign exchange student from Denmark named Christian. Christian was about six foot four, um, Scandinavian, played basketball, and was quite a funny guy. Well, whenever he came and stayed with us, that's where I kind of started to get an interest in Vikings, and I would ask him questions. And I remember one time in third grade, I gave a presentation on Vikings because he gave me this keychain. And one of the first things he taught me was that Vikings never wore horns on their helmet. It was completely made up. And from now, it kind of sparked this kind of interest where in a lot of ways, sometimes I think Vikings as a whole maybe are a misunderstood group because of imagination, um, storytelling, things like that, and maybe lack of language. There's not that much really known, but more kind of fantasized about them. So we're going to get into that within this episode. So whenever we first understand the concept, I think, of Vikings or situations and stories, it's really important to understand the language. Um, whenever we look at the Viking language as a whole, they spoke something called Old Norse. Now, Old Norse in itself was, is a very old language, and maybe about 100 to 1,000 people still use it within Denmark. Um, and what you have are these concepts of ruins. Now, the first interesting thing that you might not know about Vikings but to me is a very, very interesting story, is something that happened within Oklahoma. So in rural Oklahoma, for whatever reason, if you go deep into deep into the Choctaw um, Nation, there's an interesting stone there having these runes, and it's called the Heavener Rune Stone. It's about a 10-foot large stone carved into it with symbols attributed to the Vikings. Now, I have been there as a child, and it predates anything we have on paper um, or anything in written history or language that would say, um, you know, that Christopher Columbus was the first European to discover the new world. But in fact, we have situations where the Vikings were constantly traveling, in my opinion, because they were seafaring people. Now, from there, what we get is we get a lot of different stories about Vikings, what we have on paper. So whenever we think kind of, we think about um, Vikings kind of being these invaders, really invading a lot of their countries, but also invading um, Europe as we know it, these Anglo-Saxon areas of northern Britain where the Vikings would take over and settle, even why they probably settled where we see these settlements happening within Greenland and Iceland is because they were travelers. And you know if someone was able to travel to Greenland and Iceland via Denmark or these Scandinavian countries, they could have continuously traveled to the New World um, and on from there. But what's so interesting about it is Vikings were constantly coming into the UK and Britain, which is, right, we get this time period of 300 years within the UK where we have constant raids happening on coastal towns where the Vikings will come in, you know, do what they want and, and kill people and take what they want and bring it back. 
the raiding and this was a part of a lot of Viking culture and as a result of it we had different situations happening where we had almost like intermingling between Vikings as well as um you know Vikings and 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 English people so Scandinavian English people interacting potentially there's some thought that maybe this is where the ginger comes from you know that kind of genome cycle where people have it if potentially have an influence through Scottish or Scandinavian roots if I look at my geome DNA genome key I do have Scandinavian in me but the majority of my family would have come from England so potentially having um viking blood within me so whenever you kind of look at things like that you see this immersion that took place for 300 years so why you know well the first part is that the vikings in themselves did take um slaves and wives but what's really interesting is things you might not know about vikings so what people really have to understand is that when vikings were plunging and murdering in these certain areas people would think that they'd be kind of dirty and smelly but in all in all reality the vikings were very focused on cleanliness more so than the british at this time so when women would describe viking warriors coming into town they described them as being like handsome and beautiful with long hair and long beards but what was so different about them is how how relevant and how how um how well their hygiene was so what happened is a lot more women ended up interacting with Vikings because of the simple fact that they bathed once a week, which was really unheard of then, okay? They tweezed, they combed, they clipped their nails, and they did all of these things even when they were on site um, raiding. So a lot of women actually found this really, really attractive. So this could potentially be another thing that doesn't get talked about. Well, Blonde hair was the color of choice for Viking culture, so they would use strong soap to bleach their hair and beards. So that's another thing. You had people bleaching their hair. Some of the words we use today when hearing for the word Viking, angry, hell, ugly, weak, skull, and slaughter all come from Old North. Perhaps even more surprising, we can also thank the Vikings for the words for cake, freckles, husband, and wife. The Vikings percent per this um the vikings kidnap and take slaves is widely known so we see this a lot where vikings would take british slaves um take slaves in in whenever they were doing raiding but these slaves eventually would become part of the population and community so they would bring them in slowly and they would be kind of a part of their way of life and they would they would teach them that was kind of different about it as a result of vikings ending up these diverse groups people like in italy french in Russia and Spain and Portuguese all lived together. So it kind of showed this diverse group of people in kind of the melting pot. And all, all, although Vikings did murder and pillage, a percentage of them um, destroyed anything religious only. So a percentage of them was a small percentage of the population were warriors. And most Vikings were farmers. And their families were raised cattling, bearing rye and wheat. They also worked as international merchants, building up expensive, portable trademarks. So when we look at Vikings, it's really important to understand that there was a lot more than just going in, raiding, killing, stealing, raping, and doing all these things. In fact, they were people that encompassed it. Now, what I think is so interesting about Vikings is how we get these, these, these stories being told about who they are 
what they were. And I think in a lot of ways, because they were raiding the UK for 300 years, we get a sensation that, could you imagine all the stories being told? And culturally, that stuff gets passed down and people absorb it and go from there. Well, it's to me, it's stuff that's really, really interesting. But I think one of the most interesting things I think probably coming out in terms of research and studies about Vikings is also the fact that potentially berserkers, berserkers were known as a group of um, fighters that would kind of lose their sense, take on the appearance of a wolf or a bear going in fighting and almost having this concept of, of, of bloodlust being these really strong fighters, killing a lot of people and getting a strong reputation within the countryside of early England, Anglo-Saxon area. So there's been a thought process or a pivot about how mushrooms relate and what mushrooms were a part of Viking culture. So there's some hypothesis, if you will, that the reason why um, there was these concepts happening where people could kind of berserk out, if you will, and take on the form of a wolf is because they were taking these these mushrooms and kind of seeing things and it was enhancing their ability to have battle on um, the battlefield. And there's also a thought process or a theory that people were also were taking handsbane, which is a flower. And whenever you have the seeds, you actually can smoke them and it kind of adds to a euphoria. And this euphoria in itself is something that has been consistently found because there has been sages or better known as vulva um, having them within their pouches and seeds or burial. So, you know, there's a big thought of like what what substances were the Vikings taken? I mean, if you look at one ship, particular born buried in in Europe, because what would happen if a Viking um, chieftain died? They would bury him with the ship, killing a lot of the slaves, animals, wives, and, and taking on to the next life, to Valhalla. So what you have within this is we kind of look at different aspects of it, and there was a woman found with a pouch of hemp seeds. So we don't really know because they were seafaring people, obviously rope cordage bindage was really important whenever building a ship. And the majority of the time they would use hemp. So were they possibly to partaking in a little bit of cannabis? Hard to say. But whenever we go back to the mushroom theory, what's really important is nothing has been proven. It's this is just a theory. So for me, I really looked, I did a little bit of a deep dive because Sometimes I, I, I always believe that if you take a culture, certain aspects of it might be passed down millennia and things might be constantly being used. So I wanted to Google and kind of understand how many mushrooms were going within the Scandinavian um, woods, because if there wasn't a lot of mushrooms, I'd be like, OK, maybe this is not a real theory. But when I look at this article called Scandinavian Mushrooms, there's so many different types of mushrooms in the north. So it says, North Scandinavians have an obsession with mushrooms, a passion shared with the Russians. In times of famine, they have made up a significant part of the diet in northern Scandinavia. Many spices, um, picks, and used often consist of good eating in parts of the world by many using salt, um, mushrooms, and even things throughout the winter. So there... We have this part where it's saying that Scandinavians are obsessed with mushroom hunting. Now, if we look at the 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 outside, if we look at going out in the wilderness and picking mushrooms, what we have to understand is mushrooms in themselves are spores. Spores and fungi grow on things, and it kind of has to create the perfect situation 
for them to grow, not like a seed where you plant in the soil, fungi, or these spores can land on anything and grow depending off the, the temperature and the conditions are right. Here, it's indicating that northern Scandinavians have an obsession with mushrooms. So can we say that the Vikings ate mushrooms? Yes, because I think if these are growing on the ground and you're a hunter-gatherer farmer society, why would you not eat them? You know, I think too, um, whenever I think back to growing up in northern Arkansas, there'd be a time of year that we'd all talk about it, um, us for about the morels. So when morels were growing, you'd go out and hunt them and try to find them whenever you could because they were so delicious and you'd cook them with garlic and onions, fry them in a pan. Why would this not be the same aspect in Scandinavia? Now, were the berserkers taking mushrooms? I think, in my opinion, I don't know. Um, I know that I did another article, did another article search trying to understand are there psilocybin mushrooms that you can find there, and there are, and it's the 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 code. The article I found talked about how there was kids taking it, and it's an illegal substance within Scandinavia. But the code word for it is known as I have no way of pronouncing this psilocybin samantha or I think someone called it. Um, Liberty Cap. So this was a very common thing. I googled another article back in 2008 where kids were actually taking it because it grew randomly in fields. Um, so if it's growing randomly in fields and we look at the Scandinavian culture now, what is to say that the Vikings did not also have some type of obsession with mushrooms? Especially because I know what it's like to be in a rural community and people have different growing seasons and talk about what happened. Now, were they using mushrooms in battle? I don't know. You know, it's like even now, it's like, I don't know if mushrooms would enhance your fighting capability. Um, what they say is that people would have, like, take on these these images of battle, and then they'd come back and they'd be sad and potentially not what they fully were. And that could be um, bloodlust. It could be the fact that these Viking soldiers potentially had PTSD. And whenever they were fighting, the adrenaline, all the endorphins were kicking in. That's what they were taking on. I think we see that sometimes too in modern battle or model conflict, even within Afghanistan, is you have shoulders, soldiers talking about downtime being the worst and uptime being the best because you get such an adrenaline high. Um, and that is a result of, of, of having PTSD. So were they taking mushrooms within combat? Um, it's really difficult to say, and there's nothing really determinate, whereas with sages taking handbane seeds and smoking them and seeing things and creating probably... Odin and Valhalla, possibly, possibly this could be by the religion came from that. But, you know, I do think there's a lot about the Viking cultures we're still learning. Very interesting, but one where the imagination really takes on and creates different stories and narratives. Thank you so much for listening. and We'll get back to you tomorrow.